0: It's the final show of 2023 and it's the last of a three-part series where we have been counting down the top 12 shows of this past year. We started at 12, we worked ourselves all the way down to number five, and today we'll recap the top four shows of the year. We'll be talking about windfall profits, kicking the hay habit, not being a Debbie Downer, and using some basic cowboy math on feeding. That's all on today's episode. We're counting it down. It's the top four of 2023 on this episode of the The Working Ranch Radio Show. congratulations as we wrap up 2023 we look ahead and stare at 2024 that's before us knowing that it's going to have its own challenges but yet at the same time we have to feel thankful that uh, god blesses us with the things that we have each and every day and we wish all of you a very good 2024 as well this is the working ranch radio show i'm justin mills and we're glad to have you tune in and joining us for our program yeah this is the final of a three-part series as we have been counting down the top 12 shows. Today, we'll get from four down to number one. And just to kind of recap a little bit, first, I'll tell you where we've kind of come up with these shows to to start with was looking at total downloads, looking at first week downloads, uh, also looking at one month downloads and those kinds of things. And the response that we saw in that kind of a collaboration of those results, put that together. And that's where this list is derived from. So that kind of gives you a basis of that. One of the other reasons that I do this is because I know that a lot of the shows that we do throughout the year can be listened to at any point in time. We really try to focus on doing shows that aren't really timely so much. Now, occasionally we do, not to say that we don't but we do try to do shows that at any point in time you can listen to them and i think you'll find that when you listen to some of these recaps you're going to want to go back and listen to the full episode today is no different we're going to get into some of these shows and i will definitely encourage you to go back and listen to some of these before we jump into our fourth ranked show and work on down to number one let's recap as far as where we're at here today we'll start at number 12 It was episode 128 entitled stockmanship with steve cody getting hurt started correctly the 11th ranked show was episode 130 ranch succession planning your legacy with dan childs of the noble research institute at number 10 it was episode 103 raising kids on the ranch with alan crockett at the ninth ranked position it was episode 145 perspective from dr neville spear at the eighth ranked show episode 137 you can smell it coming outlook on the fall cattle market that was an interview and a discussion i had with clint berry of superior Limestock. the seventh ranked show episode 100 which was almost a year ago here this week why Junior shouldn't come back to the ranch with dallas mount then the sixth ranked show was episode 123 why global beef supply outlook is supportive to our future domestic markets conversation i had with brett stewart of global agri-trends and we wrapped up last week with the fifth ranked show episode 131 entitled skills needed for today's ranch manager my conversation with rick machin of the king ranch institute for ranch management. So that brings us to where we are here today at the 4th rank show for 2023. It was episode 136 and it aired in September of this past year and it was entitled Don't Screw Up Your Windfall Profits with Dallas Mount. Yeah, Dallas had been uh, also in some other episodes in our top 12 as well. He was back in episode 136 as we talked about our windfall profits and how us as ranch managers and business operators need to be handling a higher calf prices and the money that we're going to be handling in our ranch operations with the uptick in the markets. Let's listen in on part of that show. It is really critical that we kind of pay attention as we head into this time frame of our cattle cycle and our markets and so forth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It uh, You know, when I sat down to write this article, it's one of those ones where sometimes writing these articles are painful. This one was not painful. It just, I bet <laughs> I wrote this whole article in <laughs> 10 minutes, right? It just rolled, rolled right <laughs> out of me. But I, I've, you know, we—I feel like I'm getting to be one of those kind of grizzled, old gray-haired guys at the cafe. We've been here before, right? <laughs> We've done this before now. Maybe you and I are getting a little too much gray hair, but uh, you know, it—it it, uh, when I look back, the what happened in 2014 around that era with really high cattle prices, the decisions that a lot of ranchers made then set their businesses up for really hard times the next several years. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, the clients we work with and the and the people we follow, I I want to caution them let's not make the same mistakes that we made then this time.
0: Yeah. And I always joke about the fact that you know it's pretty easy to be a rancher when you're getting above average moisture and cattle prices are high.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it can make things seem pretty easy and make us all feel like we're pretty smart, you know, but uh, just wait. We'll get humbled, won't we? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And so to, so so as we start that, so we don't have to be humbled quite so severely. Let's go through some of these things and, uh, and some of the ways that we can avoid not making those mistakes and, and go into that and, and let's maybe identify some of the things that can happen that we need to be cautious about. And I'll let you start. I know the one of the first things was about employees.
1: Yeah, so I I just want to caution people about adding employees, right? When when you have some extra cash flow and when the when the ranch is is doing well, it's tempting to you know let's bring junior home, right? Mm-hmm. Let let's add another uh, an, another person to the business. Uh, what we see is we look into a lot of these ranching operations is oftentimes for the amount of value that the ranch is producing. We call that gross product, right? For the amount of gross product that that business is producing, many of our ranches are already overstacked. Okay, so yeah. what what we want to caution people to do is don't make the problem worse in these years when it feels like cash flow is plentiful, uh, because I mean we all know this thing's going to fall off the backside at some point, and you probably don't want to send those employees packing when it when it falls off, right? Because mm-hmm. they're they're probably going to be a pretty integral part of your business. So so just be really careful about adding employees now that that you're not going to be able to support in in maybe a couple years
0: yeah let's move to the next thing and and that is well now i can afford to buy this thing (laughs) and that's where now that's where my hand kind of goes up a little bit because i have a tendency to want to say you know what all right now we can buy x piece of equipment or, or whatever that may be and we start to get a little heavy on the asset side when we were when we were eating beans and rice we didn't really need that so much but again a balance in that but but that is a that is a real big issue that we have to deal with is not getting too heavy on fixed assets that maybe aren't bringing the return back to the operation correct
1: and and that's easy to do we've all done it i mean you know we've all we all want things that make our lives easier that make the work more enjoyable um but you know just be really careful about structuring the business for failure later on um and and we see this quite a bit where let's say a uh, you know a generation has run the ranch and they've been successful doing that and they've created a successful ranch business and and they've used they've they've used some of that success to to build a business that's comfortable to operate right that that maybe has things we wouldn't have if we were starting out well th- but then they bring junior on or the next generation and they say all right now here's here's the ranch business and here's all the stuff that goes with it that you now have to support.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And and now they're handing off a ranch business that is not economically viable because there's just way too much stuff for what, for what the business would support. So the the caution that we had that I had in the article was uh, be careful about compounding a problem of too much wealth tied up in stuff. Okay. So if, if you're looking at, um, you know, Hey, here's the amount of, again, this is the scale of our business. What's a reasonable amount of fixed assets, uh, you know, machinery and things mm-hmm. uh, that, that this business can support. And it's tempting to tie that up. One, one of the tempting things is to do that in the name of tax avoidance. Yeah. Right. And and we're going to have a lot of uh, stupid things done in ranching this coming year in the name of tax avoidance. Right. And I always go back to uh, l- let the, let the economics drive the business strategy. Right. E- if, the, if it makes sense from a business strategy standpoint to own this thing, let's own it, right? But don't let tax avoidance drive business strategy. All right, we see a lot of stupid things done in the name of uh, not paying tax to... Well, let's just buy this thing instead of send the money to the government. Well, then the depair, the depreciation, the repairs, the ownership cost of that thing just eats you up in future years.
0: Mm-hmm. That was something you mentioned, too, about the cost the that we don't take into account on some of this equipment just to have it, to own it, to operate it. You know, we just think, well, I'm going to go buy you know, this, you know, whatever. And it's going to cost me $20,000 thinking, okay, that piece of equipment's cost me 20. And that's the only expense we think. But in reality, there's an annual cost to that.
1: Absolutely. So our our hip pocket number is 20% of the value of that machine is your annual cost of owning it, right? So if, if I'm going to go out and buy a $100,000 piece of equipment, my annual ownership cost is about $20,000, right? Now that's going to take into account repairs, depreciation, and interest on the money you know, and even if you're not paying interest on that, even if you're not making a loan payment on that, you're tying up your capital, right? So you could pay down other interest or you could Mm -hmm. put that money to work elsewhere. So, so we still need to count it. It doesn't matter if it's paid for or not, you know, from a, from an economic perspective, that piece of machinery is costing you about 20% of its current market value every year that it sits there. So when, when you look at something that's sitting out there and you're, pile right that gets used for (laughs) 10 hours a year right ask yourself what boy that was an expensive 10 hours right or or whatever the number is
0: yeah yeah it's definitely something I I you know again I say this is one of your areas that we talked to that you brought up here that really hit home for me because there's that tendency to want to go out there we got a little extra cash on hand and we're thinking okay let's go buy that we've been wanting that and really putting that into the context is it a want or a need and is there some it is there will it bring a return you know to the to the business at some point i that's a that's a tough thing for me too dallas let's continue on with that and this is something that i think is is important too and realizing that we really do need to kind of have an insurance element mindset in thinking about this and having some liquid assets that we don't that we've taken our money, we put it elsewhere and we really don't have anything. Should something happen, we're going to be hung out to dry. Yeah. Yeah. When,
1: when we look at the, the balance sheet and some of the financial ratios of a lot of our client businesses, they don't have enough in reserves, and, and in particular, in liquid reserves, money you can get your hands on quickly. So it, as this opportunity presents itself this coming year, well, one of the common recommendations we're seeing is to pay the dang tax and then keep the money in liquid reserves, right? Some, you know, whether it's cash in the bank, whether it's mutual funds, you can get your hands on quickly, whether it's something, you know, a set of calves that you're standing out there, you just turn it over, you know, within, and and what we say is liquid money within two weeks, can you have your hands on that cash, right? Is it, is it something you can quickly market and have your hands on it? And I think a business that's got, that money in reserves and then a big chunk of that is liquid is going to be a much more resilient business and a business that's in better positions to make good decisions when tough times happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, So when, when you have a drought, when you have a market drop, when you have a, you know, a fire, grasshoppers, whatever the disaster is in your business, if you've got enough money to to reach in there and to deal with that. So that you're not worried about putting food on the table. You're not worried about keeping the doors open on the ranch. Um, It's going to put you in a position to be smarter and more thoughtful about about how you make those decisions. So our rule of thumb is 50% of your annual operating cost available to you uh, with short notice. Hmm. So, you know, if if your ranch takes uh, $300,000 to keep the doors open. Uh, a year, uh, have $150,000 sitting there. Yeah. Right. And, and that might mean carrying some money on notes too. So, you know, a lot of people want to get really aggressive about paying off debt. Well, it might be, especially if that debt was structured several years ago, it might be smarter to let that debt ride, and, and to keep some money in the bank so you can be thoughtful about how you respond
0: and that was just a portion of my conversation that I had with Dallas Mount on episode 136 entitled Don't Screw Up Your Windfall Profits and a lot of that information while it was very applicable in September it still is very applicable as we look ahead to and wrapping up 2023 and looking ahead to 2024 I would encourage you to go back and listen to that in addition there's an also another interview that I did in there with uh, we were talking about genomic testing as jed hutchison of zoetis joined me on that so you kind of get two for one on that show go back and listen to the show ranked number four in 2023 it was episode 136 stay with us we're going to get into the show ranked number three and we're we'll working on down also coming up later in the show the captain tim o'burn will be stopping in for this week's edition of tim's two cents and meteorologist don day will join us as we take a look at our long-term weather we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the True Blue
1: commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights
0: learn more at vitalix.com vitalix the true blue tub Welcome back as we're continuing with our countdown of the top 12 shows of 2023. The previous two episodes before today, we hit and started at number 12 and worked down to number five. Today, we're going to hit shows four down to number one. And in the previous segment, we talked about the number fourth ranked show of the year, which was episode 136 entitled Don't Screw Up Your Windfall Profits with Dallas Mount. We now find ourselves at the third ranked show of this past year as it aired in March. And it was episode episode 109 entitled kick the hay habit with jim garish a conversation i had with him regarding some of the information he had written about in his book entitled kicking the hay habit but also it was a timely conversation especially after we had just come off of two years of very significantly higher hay prices let's step into part of that conversation i had with jim garish on episode 109 the third ranked show of 2023 entitled kick the hay habit. I want to get into this and jump right in. First of all, from the perspective, if when folks are considering this concept of moving away from hay and how do they get that, I think really, uh, and I mentioned this last week to our guests, I think there's some real concern. I think they really have some intrepidation. I know myself just kind of weaning away from more or less not relying so much on hay in those winter months. I think really for folks there's really some, some fear of how do we move that direction?
2: Well, that's exactly right. Um, You know, we have a lot of middle-aged ranchers who do not remember the days when we didn't make so much hay. Um, You know, a hundred years ago, Uh, year-round grazing was more of a normal thing than feeding hay for four or five months. But we've gone through the generations now where uh, most middle-aged ranchers, all they know is make hay, feed hay, make hay, feed hay. Unfortunately, over the course of their lifetime here, whether that's 20, 30, 40 years, in ranching, the cost of making hay has increased at a much faster rate, uh, like five to eight times the rate at which cattle prices have increased. And again, as already said, we're looking at very good cattle prices right now, but there's still not enough to pay the bills as the cost of the equipment has gone up, the cost of the fuel has gone up, cost of labor has gone up, iron maintenance has gone up. Everything has gone up at a faster rate than the value of our cattle. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. When I look at this, I think one of the things that for producers that has to be really considered is really being honest with yourself of your costs. And you talked about there was a habit, there's been, you know, kind of a cycle of making hay, feeding hay, making hay, feeding hay. And really from that perspective from an economic standpoint is really understanding what are the costs that we have when it comes to making hay and, and maybe the opportunities of utilizing that hay versus other means of it being used, for example, like. Like this year, I mean, you could, you can make hay for maybe, you know, maybe a hundred bucks a ton, but then you could be selling it for 200 bucks a ton, but we're feeding it and we're not really getting a good picture of our cost to us as a rancher. Yeah,
2: it, it's unfortunate that, you know, I was just talking with a guy the other day and he has a degree in animal science just, you know, as it's to lead him into ranching. What he really needed was a degree in accounting or business management because we have a lot of people out there who are very good at managing their livestock, but they have no idea of what it is costing them. And you can't have a profitable ranching business if you don't know what your costs are and how to deal with them. And costs are different whether you're calving in February or if you're calving in May, costs are different, whether you're running yearlings rather than cows. And in many environments, uh, changing the calving season by four to six weeks would make a huge difference in the bottom line of the business, largely because it would greatly reduce the amount of hay that they have to feed. And analysis after analysis shows feed costs is the number one determinant of profitability, particularly in the cow-calf business, but in livestock businesses in general. Feed costs is what we have to address first if we wanna have a chance at profitability.
0: Mm-hmm. Jim, uh, on the book, Kick the Hay Habit, yeah, just right right from the start here, I mean, what's what's in that book that's gonna help me?
2: Okay, Justin, I, I basically uh, talk about that book in thirds about a third of it is planning for the year round grazing. And that includes the things like, uh, you know, what is your stocking rate going to be in the winter versus summer? Uh, what are your winter, uh, grazing resources and availability? What's the best use of those? Uh, the second part of the book is what are all the different grazing options that you might have available, uh, for use, you know, we we have crop residues. We can have cover crops. We got perennial pastures. We've got native rangeland. We have different options to work with. So in the that second third of the book, we cover uh, those options. And some of those things we have to talk about regionally because mm-hmm. you know some things don't exist <laughs> in, yeah. in certain environments. Obviously. And then the uh, the remaining third of the book is about implementation that gets into the nuts and bolts of how do you assess your feed supply? How do you budget it out? What are the tools that we can use for in winter grazing in terms of uh, electric fencing, stock water, supplementation protein, Because in some environments. You know, protein supplementation is going to be essential for grazing dormant season grass. So that's basically how the um, book breaks out. One third is planning. One third is available resources. And one third is implementation. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that front third of that book. And that's a little bit of the planning, because I think this is something that uh, in that process, is that an aspect where you're I mean, you need to evaluate literally physically where your place sets you know, what it grows, what it doesn't grow. And is that kind of what you're talking about with elements of that planning part?
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, and you, you really need to figure out on a month by month basis, what do you have available or what could you uh, establish and make available so that you have a uh, grazable resource in that month? And again, this is part of it that's going to differ regionally, you know, Mississippi and Montana obviously are two different places, two different sets of resources, Um, but everywhere that you go, there is more than just one resource to work with. Mm -hmm. Then another important part of the planning is uh, enterprise selection, the number and class of animals you're going to have on the place. Uh, An example of that. Part of the way we got to uh, when we back when we lived in Missouri, the way we got to a feed no hay operation was we had a proper enterprise balance. About 60 percent of our year round grazing resource was dedicated to our cow herd. And then 40 percent was our flexibility. And most of that flexibility occurs there in Missouri was from middle of April to the middle of August. So that's when we brought additional stock in either custom grazing or purchased livestock. And what in the normal, the normal weird normal situation, most people would have taken that spring surplus of growth, turned it into hay and then fed it to the cows in the wintertime. We took the spring surplus of growth and turned it into a revenue stream by having a non cow enterprise at that time. And that was the ratio that worked for us because we based the size of our cow herd, not on our summer grazing potential, but on our winter grazing potential. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a very key part of structuring your ranch business to give you the opportunity to graze cows year-round is you've got to have some enterprise, additional enterprise or enterprises that you can move in and out of and liquidate those stock when the time comes to get them off the place so you have seed either growing or feed in reserve for your winter grazing for the cow herd. Mm-hmm.
0: Jim, uh, just a couple more questions here. One, you talked about it in the first segment a little bit, and I and I want to go back to it a little bit mainly to kind of reiterate yes. that because one of the things you talked about is really analyzing our production cycle, meaning when we calve, when we breed up, that matches the environment we're in. And it's going to be different. Just for example, last week, you know, I was talking with, with Vance Mitchell down in Lolita, Texas. It's different for them than it is somebody up on the Northern Plains. However, that in itself is one aspect that can really reduce the rel- as much reliance on hay.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There are places in this country that traditionally have been cow ranches that in today's feed cost and value of cattle atmosphere, they should not be year-round cow operations. They ought to be just seasonal yearlings. And, You know, if you're an old cow guy, the idea of just having cattle on the place for five months, then have seven months where you don't have to do a thing. uh, (laughs) Doesn't appeal to some guys, but there's others who say, wow, I can get like that kind good of a
0: job. <laughs> yeah. And that was just a portion of that conversation that we had with Jim Garrish in episode 109, Kick the Hay Habit. That's the third rank show of 2023. I'd encourage you to go and listen to that. Even now, we find ourselves in pretty significant high hay prices. And I think you'll find some information in that show that's useful. No doubt that feed costs are one of the biggest line item budgeted items that we have as ranchers. And if there's a way that we can minimize that impact in our ranching operations, no doubt we would see a little Bit more profitability as well. A very applicable show. I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 109. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, it's the second-ranked show of the year. This is the Working Ranch Radio Show.
3: Nothing delivers a better return on investment like cattle health. Set up the next generation for lifetime performance with Zinpro Availa 4. Achieve reproductive success in your herd with a 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro have stronger immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Help protect your profits by partnering with Zinpro.
0: Welcome back. This is Justin Mills as we continue with our countdown of the top 12 shows of 2023 here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Today's episode, we're going to get all the way down to number one in the previous two episodes in case you missed it and you want to go back and listen to them on any podcast provider or our website at workingranchradio.com. We were hitting shows ranked 12 down to number five. We're in the number two hole and it was with guest Mary Joe Ehrman that aired in October of this past year. Episode. In fact, that interview, we aired it not only in episode 140, but again, it aired the following week on episode 141, entitled Not Being a Debbie Downer. But you might want to listen in as she was addressing just some of the concerns she had as ranchers having a lot of money at their disposal, yet at the same time seeing higher interest rates and also higher cattle markets. And just some warnings out there in regards to how we handle our financial situation as ranchers as we head into 2024 let let's drop in and listen to a part of that conversation that we had with Mary Jo Ehrman on episode 140 entitled not being a Debbie Downer but you might want to listen in it was the second rate show of 2023 but one of the things that was the concern is that you buy and you start putting a lot of capital expenses in items that might take five seven ten years to pay out and that's a, a, kind of what you're talking about here that's that's the catch in this whole deal
3: Right. Is if you buy it, if cattle prices are high and now you go to the bank and you borrow money for a tractor, you have set five to seven years to pay that tractor off. But cattle prices were low for three of those five years. How are we going to make the tractor payment? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had people in 14 and 15 when cattle prices were high, I had clients that were building their dream barns. And then all of a sudden they didn't know When the cattle prices dropped, they didn't know how they were going to pay for the dream barn anymore because they expected cattle prices to stay high. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, the banker is going to borrow you the money. The accountant is going to tell you to go buy it. But does the accountant and the banker, do they actually look out five to seven years to make sure that you can make that payment when the cattle prices drop, if interest rates stay high? We have to look at worst case scenario going forward. We can't just think that it's always going to be sunshine and rainbows.
0: Mm-hmm. Mary Jo, I, as you're talking about those things, I think people are thinking, then okay, so so you know, what do I do? Because there's some desire to take advantage of the market of where we're at. How do we do that without getting ourselves in a bind in this? And I think people sometimes maybe feel a little bit helpless because the only thing they do know to do is do what they've always done before. And that is you have a profit you, and your accountant says you need to spend some money. So you go spend money and that's kind of what they do. So what's the direction that we need to be looking at then encounter to that that is productive down the road?
3: If we're going to sell today and we're going to have this profit, hang on to the profit because mm-hmm. next year you can use that profit for feed. Hey, hey right? You can Mm -hmm. use a profit for whatever it is you want to use it for. It's one less reason to have to go to the bank. Mm -hmm. But if we have profit and we go see the accountant and he says, go buy something so we can avoid taxes, then all of a sudden all of our money went to the thing and now we don't have the money for hay and we go back to the bank and use the operating note at 9 or 10% to buy hay to pay for vet bills, you know, whatever it is that we need. Really? We could have just used our own money and saved 9 to 10% on it. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things as you said, you know, we're at a high market. Why are we buying? Why are we buying in a high market? We should be selling stuff off in a, in a high market. But at the same time, one of the things that people are you know, are hearing is that, well, supply and demand numbers indicate that this market's going to have sustainability for a few years. How do we address that?
3: So, if they're going to, if it's going to stay high for two to three years, and my question is, are you going to have enough calves out of those cows in the next two to three years to pay for them? Right. So, you only have two to three years to pay that cow back before that calf no longer can pay for her. And so, if you can, if the numbers make sense and you know we're going to be high two to three years, then absolutely buy it. Mm -hmm. But, if we don't, if we have to have five years worth of calves out of her to make sure that she's paid for and we have the profit to pay for all the expenses on the farm, then you still shouldn't be buying. I don't, is it, you might need, you might need that. If we take a note on a cow, those cattle notes are typically five to seven years. Yep. Yep. You need, in my opinion, you're going to need a seven year high in order to make sure that, you cuz you have a payment on her for 7 years.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep.
3: So I would want to make sure that I have I bought her at a reasonable price so even when cattle prices drop, if calf prices drop and we can still make her payment at the lowest calf price then great. Go ahead and buy her but you have to know the number.
0: Yeah, but that's exactly right, is the fact that a lot of them are five to seven year notes. You go and you spend $3,000, whatever that may be on a bred two or three year old, and you got seven years to pay that off. And then you need to figure in attrition rates and the fact that you're gonna have a coal rate every year and by the time, and I would venture to say in seven years, uh, let's say you started with 100 head of cows, how many of those cows will you have in seven years that's having to finance that note? That's, you, you hit it dead on. That's exactly something that I've, I've had that discussion with many people before.
3: Mm-hmm. And so it is just, we're not looking out far enough. If cattle prices are going to stay high, you know, before the break, you ask, well, what if, what if cattle prices stay high for the next three years? Great. Then you have three years of profit. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine <laughs> at year four, you might be in a position where you don't have to borrow money to pay for hay because you haven't avoided taxes.
0: Mm-hmm. But honestly, Mary Jo, I, I think it's a way of thinking within our industry, probably other business industries have the similar management mindset as well that when they have a great year, and for us this year, we're selling calves for higher than we have in some time, that we have a little bit more money on hand that we need to go buy something. We need to go buy that new pickup.
3: Right, because <laughs> the accountant says, go spend 50,000 to save 10. That's just an example that I use that in with the calc cuz i have an irs calculator and so with that calculator if you spend 50,000 you'll save 10 but then you have to go buy something for $50,000 that means you have to go to the bank if they charge you 5% on a 7 year note you just spent $10,000 in interest ish mm-hmm. mm-hmm. well you didn't save anything because you just instead of giving the irs the 10 grand You just gave it to the bank in interest. Mm -hmm. So you really get to decide, do I pay the taxes on it or do I pay the bank? Here's where the problem arises. Justin, is most people don't have the 10 grand to pay the IRS. Yeah. So they go to the bank to borrow money, to pay, to buy something, to decrease it. Well, you still paid the IRS essentially, you just paid it to the bank. And you did it over seven years. Yeah. Then you put yourself on the struggle bus for seven years, figuring out where that money is going to come from to make the bank payment.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to go to one final point. And I wrote this down in my notes after I listened to your podcast. You made a little bit of a comment just a bit ago about this. And I think it's one of these things as we look at, at these next few years. And it's this, do things a little slower. That was something I pulled out of your podcast. You just made a comment about that as well. Expand on that.
3: We don't have to grow our operation so fast that we get into financial trouble. We all wanna go in and borrow money for land and borrow money for cattle and borrow money for equipment. And we all think we need everything. Do we really, can we grow a little bit slower and not have the financial strain and get caught with our pants down? essentially, right? Because we're buying so fast and we want to compete with the neighbors and we want to get big that we try to do it quickly and we could end up losing everything slow there's nothing wrong with being the turtle
0: and that was just part of a great conversation that we had with Mary Jo Ehrman it was episode 140 and 141 that aired in October of this past year entitled not being a Debbie Downer but you might want to listen in and we were focusing again on where we're at financially that we see ourselves in the ranching industry not to be negative but at the same time to take heed and take some advice from uh, from somebody that does have a lot of input and, and sees a lot of different ranchers and farmers books out there and knows what the situations are. And I know for myself, part of this show really stemmed from the fact that I didn't want to repeat some of the same mistakes I had made in the last up cycle. And if there's things that we could talk about on this particular show that would help other folks, that was really the focus of that show. So I hope you enjoyed it. It's episode 140, also episode 141 entitled Not Being a Debbie Downer. That was the second ranked show of this year. Might also mention that we did have Mary Jo on back uh, on episode episode 70 where we were talking about the book she wrote entitled farming without the bank and if you have questions about that check out her website or go back and listen to that episode as well well coming up after the break it's the number one show of 2023 stay tuned to see what that is when we return on the working ranch radio show Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show, and we are here. Yes, this is the culmination of the last two episodes as well, as we've been counting down the top 12 shows, and now we reveal what the number one show was for the year. It aired in November of this past year, episode 142, entitled Cost-Effective Feeding, Using Some Basic Cowboy Math, as Dr. Mark Johnson from Oklahoma State University joined us. The real popularity of this show was that it pretty much hit on some very practical and useful information and went through a scenario that was probably applicable to a lot of us here in the ranching industry let's step into that episode episode 142 the number one show of 2023 entitled cost-effective feeding using some basic cowboy math what's kind of the basis for where this article is stemming from
4: what we did was took a look at you know a couple commonly available protein or range cubes as we would think about them and uh you know, at the time I wrote the article, we could buy a 38% crude protein range cube. that's about 70% TDN, and TDN is just our measure of energy content in those cubes. Those cubes right now are costing about 4.75 a ton, and we'd buy a 20% range cube or 20% crude protein and also 70% TDN or energy. And those 20% cubes are costing right at 350 a ton right now. And so, you know, if I'm at the feed store and I know I need to most likely get some protein supplement in my cows, that that basic price per ton, it's certainly more appealing to think about buying the 20% cubes at 350 a ton. But if in fact, we're gonna buy them to meet our cows protein supplement need, we actually ought to break that down and think about what we're buying for the given price. And so, some of the numbers that, that I worked through in our Cow Calf Corner article, and I think this article also is going to appear, if not already, pretty soon in the Hereford World publication. But if we take a look at those 38% cubes, that on an as is basis, that ton of feed or cubes that we're buying at 475 if there's 38% crude protein in them, we're actually buying 760 pounds of crude protein for that $475. And so we take the $475 a ton price and divide it by the 760 pounds of crude protein we're purchasing. That is 62 and 5 cents per pound of crude protein in that particular 38% cube. Now those 20% cubes, by that same math, we're actually buying 400 pounds of crude protein. And so, at the $350 a ton price, we divide the 400 pounds of crude protein into that price, and those cubes are costing us 87 and a half cents per pound of crude protein purchased. Now, if we're looking at the energy purchase on the TDN content of both those, at 70% TDN. In both cases, we're we're buying 1,400 pounds of energy. And so the 38% cubes per unit of TDN or energy, we're paying 34 cents. The 20% cubes per unit of energy or TDN, we're actually only paying 25 cents. And so this is a protein supplement cube we're looking at. If we found ourselves in a situation where energy was the primary thing we wanted, you could argue that the 20% cube is the best deal. But if you are needing to meet protein requirements of cows through supplementation of either of these the 38% cube at 62 and a half cents per per pound of protein is your better buy and so that's the initial assessment looking at the economics of it and then from there we want to identify what what is our feeding goal and so You know, the numbers we're going to look at, we've we've got an average mature weight on the cow herd of 1,300 pounds. Those cows, they had bulls turned out with them the beginning of May. So we anticipate that we're about 100 days away from calving sometime, you know, that first week or 10 days of February when they would start. And we look at those cows right now, body condition on them is good. They're right at a five and a half body condition score. We have got a pretty good amount of standing forage in the form of native grass. And so we know that they can eat that every day. We really just want to maintain them, you know, on what they are. And so assuming that native grass pasture, you know, dormant native range this time of year in Oklahoma is going to be about 5% crude protein and about 55% TDN, then we would anticipate those cows are going to eat probably 1.9 to 2% of their mature weight in forage dry matter every day. So we're just going to say they're going to ingest 25 pounds of forage dry matter on a daily basis. If we take that at a 5% crude protein level, that means those cows are going to consume about one and a quarter pounds A crude protein each day. If we look at that same 25 pounds of forage dry matter at 55% TDN, they're gonna take in about 13.75 pounds of energy or TDN on a daily basis. Now, what do those numbers mean? We need to be looking at that NRC chart in chapter 16 of our beef manual. And what it tells us is that a 1300 pound cow in her last trimester of pregnancy, needs about 1.84 pounds of crude protein daily and 13.3 pounds of TDN daily just to maintain the body condition and the weight that she's at. So we're going to ingest 13.75 pounds of TDN from our standing forage. We have no energy deficit, but we're going to be right at six-tenths of a pound shy of those cows meeting their crude protein requirement Mm -hmm. they need 1.84 they're actually going to take in 1.25 therefore this is one of those instances we find ourselves in those cows need some protein supplementation otherwise protein is going to limit the benefit of the grass they're going to lose weight they're not going to be in the shape that we want them in when they start to calve here at the beginning of february so we've got 60 cows and we've got about 100 days of supplementation that we need, and we're determining the most cost-effective way to meet that six-tenths of a pound of crude protein that they need each day. Now, earlier we talked about those 38% cubes and those 20% cubes and their respective price per ton, and from those numbers, we figured out that that pound of crude protein that we're buying in the 20% cubes is actually costing us 87 and a half cents. That pound of crude protein per unit that we're buying in the 38% cubes is actually only costing us 62 and a half cents per unit of crude protein. So working through the math, it's going to take about three pounds a day, of those 20% cubes, to meet the protein deficit in these cows. It's only going to take a little over a pound and a half of the 38% cubes to meet that. If we take our protein deficit of six tenths and multiply it by that 87.5 cents mm-hmm. that we figured the 20% cubes were costing per pound of protein, it's going to cost us 52 cents a day to meet those cows on a per head basis with the 20% cubes. Now, if we do that with the 38% cubes, that six tenths of a pound deficit multiplied by 62 and a half cents a pound it's only 37 cents a day that it costs to meet their crude protein requirement by supplementing with the 38 percent cubes now if you're like me well <laughs> big deal 37 cents compared to what do we say 52 cents yep, a 52. day one yeah but we got 60 cows and we got 100 days of supplementation and so we take those daily costs and multiply them by 60 cows and multiply it by 100 days and what we come up with is to meet those cows needs with the 20% cubes is going to cost us right at I think it works out to $3120 mm-hmm. is our expected feed bill off the 20% cubes at a cost of 350 a ton but we could do the same thing with the 38% cubes for $2220 Mm-hmm. yes they cost more per ton but the cost per unit of protein is actually considerably less mm-hmm. so the difference between the 31 20 and the twenty-two twenty is right at 900 dollars. we save by taking a look at those feedstuffs on a per unit of nutrient basis in this case protein and making the right choice on our purchase to supplement with we save 900 dollars by supplementing with the 38% Q.
0: Well, you can tell why it was the number one show as it was a very practical and useful information and simplified a process, I think for a lot of folks that maybe had been very complicated in their minds. One of the things that we did do, knowing that he did have a lot of information and numbers that he was going through in there is if you go to our podcast website at workingranchradio.com, you will find links to this scenario he worked out as well as different links that are available so that you can do some of this figuring on your own so that was the number one show of 2023 is episode 142 with dr mark johnson of oklahoma state university that aired in november entitled cost-effective feeding using some basic Cowboy Math. It was a year of a lot of great episodes and a big thank you to all of our guests that join us because I can tell you right now, if it wasn't for the information that they shared with us it wouldn't have been great episodes. So I appreciate all of them doing that and I'm looking forward to what 2024 has in store for us for upcoming shows as well. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, the Captain Tim O'Byrne will be in with this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents and Meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long term weather. We'll be back on The Working ranch radio show after this fascinated by our wild weather, now you can learn, appreciate and understand the weather in your own backyard with the new Tropo rain gauge. Having achieved the highest rating of any product reviewed by the experts.com the Tropo boasts rugged durability, impeccable accuracy and precision to the hundredth of an inch. Visit measurerain.com to order a Tropo today and use code RAINDAY, that's R A I N D A Y for free shipping and 10% off. Go to measure rain.com welcome back as it's time now to check in with the captain tim o'burn as we find him this week of all places rummaging around in a storage unit in nevada what's that all about well here's this week's edition of tim's two cents
1: hey justin hey everybody out there in working ranch radio Land. christine say hi
0: hello everybody where are we we're at the working ranch Magazine storage unit
1: in downtown beautiful Cactus Knuckles, Nevada, and we are getting ready to ship the booths to Orlando for CattleCon 2024. We will be booth number 1919. See you folks there. Safe travels, and back to you, Justin.
0: All right. Thanks, Captain and Christine. Appreciate that. And by the way, if you do want to find out more information about CattleCon24, that's going to be in Orlando the end of January, first part of February. You can just pretty much search in your web browser, CattleCon24, and it'll take you right to the convention website. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit. And joining us now with a look at our long-term weather is meteorologist Don Day. And Don, as we look ahead to the first week of January, and if we want to use this last storm as maybe a cat. Catalyst to start to kick off a different change in some weather that we're going to begin to see. Uh, with that, we do know there, when I look at the weather map that you put out there, we're just seeing low after low after low being continuing to build up in the north. And at some point, you know, we're going to start to see some colder weather. And that's what you guys are seeing as well.
5: Yeah, we that cold air that we brought up a few times that was over Asian Siberia over the last week has started to move across the North Pacific. A lot of stormy weather developing across the Pacific Ocean. We're also seeing cold air really beginning to build again up in the higher latitudes of Northwest Canada, the north slope of Alaska. So when we put those Pacific storms with that arctic air build up we're we're likely going to see plenty of winter weather across the U.S. in the month of January. And this will be especially true after the third or fourth of the month.
0: Okay. And with that, what do you see as far as it, <clears throat> excuse me, and with that, what do you see as far as it moving south? I mean, we're up here in the northern part. If you want to take I-70 and maybe be the splitter between the country, north, south, everybody above the north north side of 70 is probably okay. Yeah, we're we we can expect some winter, but how far below 70 do you see some of that weather getting into?
5: Well, that, you know, south of 70 has been very active here over the last few weeks uh, with rain and some snow events, and they're going to stay that way. So I still think that there there's going to be a preference to the central and southern areas of the U.S. to have the most active weather. Um, and that is something that we had talked about when we talked about our long range forecast this past late fall, was is that that I-70 corridor and point south and up to I-80 was going to be the areas most active and i think that will continue
0: all right well don have hope you have a good uh, new year's and wishing you the best in 2024 happy new year you bet and again meteorologist don day can be found each and every morning on his daily video podcast if you want to follow along you can find a link to that it's a youtube channel at dayweather.com we'll take a break here and wrap up the show when we return on the working ranch radio show Well, I don't think I'd be worth a plug nickel, as my dad would say, if I didn't say some thank yous right now as we wrap up 2023. First and foremost to you all, the listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. If it wasn't for you listening to the program and passing it along to your neighbors as well, we wouldn't see the growth that we've seen in the last three plus years since I've been doing this. And we surely appreciate you passing it on and appreciate your interest in listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Also, a thank you to our radio affiliate Rural Radio Channel 147 on your Sirius XM dial. Also, we have some local affiliates across the country as well. Thank you very much for carrying the program. Also, a thank you to the Captain Tim O'Byrne and meteorologist Don Day, both offering great components to what makes the Working Ranch Radio Show what it is. And a thank you to Working Ranch Magazine for supporting and being a part of this endeavor as well. And finally, a thank you to my hired hand and my nephew, Tristan Robertson, for covering the days when I have to be in the studio working on this program and him outside doing the real ranch work. Be sure to join us next week as Army Administrator Marsha Bunger will be joining us. Also on the agenda for the month of January, Dr. Ty Lawrence will be joining us as we talk beef on dairy and Lamar Steiger returns back as a guest. Thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down, your mind in the middle and a happy and blessed new year. So long.